Okay, I think I'm recording. Okay, here we go. I am uh, so happy to be with you, with you here tonight on Motzi Shabbos, the end of Shabbos, and what's known as Shushan Purim. Today, Jerusalem is celebrating Purim, which is one day later than the rest of the world because it's an ancient walled city, um, according to the story of Purim, that the Jews in the walled city of Shushan uh, finished protecting themselves uh, and, and defeating their enemies one day later than the rest of the Persian Empire in the Purim story. So uh, it's still a holiday, and I'm still very excited to see I'm wearing my, my uh, fancy Purim vest. And I want to share with you an awesome story that happened to me today. Um, basically, um, about 16, 17 years ago, I was uh, a student in, I was studying in yeshiva in a rabbinic school in Israel. And I was, uh, one night, I was lying in bed and suddenly I had an incredible vision of a film that I wanted to make for, um, for Purim. For in my uh, in in my in the academy, the yeshiva I was studying in. So there's a there's a, uh, a custom on Purim to make a Purim spiel, which is like a comedic play satire, making fun of uh, either the school or different people in the community in a in a light, uh, playful way, with also generally with a message of some sort. So that's a that's a famous old old custom to make a Purim spiel. So I had an idea about 16, 17 years ago to make a Purim movie. And I was lying in bed one night and the whole thing hit me literally in a few seconds. I had the whole film mapped out and I had never written a screenplay before, but it, it was literally blew me away. It was an amazing storyline and uh, beginning, middle and end all came to me almost at once. And I got extremely excited. I didn't sleep for a few days. And I got together a camera crew uh, from my friends. And we've put together this thing. It was, like, very complicated. And we had, like, uh, very, very low-level uh, video editing and green screens. And it ended up being an amazing, exciting project. And for me, it was one of the most creative things I'd ever been involved in. And a few times in my life, I've had creative ideas that kept me up all night. Uh, wake up early in the morning to get to work on them. And this was one of the things that was the most exciting for me. And through this experience of writing, and so I ended up writing a Purim movie that year. And then for many years after that, every year Purim time, I would write, I would produce and write uh, either a musical or a video production or some sort of a play. And uh, this for me was the first time that I felt like I had come in touch with my purpose. And uh, we talked a lot about um, in the past few weeks, I've done a series on finding your life's purpose, work-life balance, finding your passion. And one of these experiences, the, one of the things I talk about is finding these moments where you're in the flow zone, where you feel like this is it, this is what you want to do. So these experiences for me of writing these these plays was probably the most exciting thing I'd ever done in my life until then. And it was clearly being putting me in touch with a certain element of my purpose. Uh, part of that was public speaking, which I later discovered uh, in my rabbinic career, which I had not done that much of until then, although I knew that I, I enjoyed doing. I remember the first time I ever 
um, thought about public speaking was at, I was at a wedding one time as a fairly, I don't know how old I was, maybe a, a young teenager. And I remember watching the, the priest or the minister, or the rabbi who was running the, the wedding. And I don't remember if it was a Jewish wedding or a non-Jewish wedding. I don't remember any details about it. But I remember sitting there watching him doing the whole ceremony and thinking I could do better. And uh, I had never done public speaking in my life. For many years after that, another experience I had was uh, I was uh, when I was in Scotland um, traveling the world. I uh, spent a few weeks in Scotland. And one of the my first week in Scotland was at this meditation new age spiritual community uh, farm in northern scotland and i was doing this meditation session with this uh this french lady on try on trying to find your purpose and she and i both at the same time had a vision of me speaking publicly in front of thousands of people and i had never in my life spoken in front of anyone and that was the beginning of my my dream of wanting to share and uh share my uh my emotions and my insights with others which has sort of led me to my rabbinic career and my therapy practice and uh writing these plays and 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 uh and movies is really my final destination if you would say i would if i always say if i had uh unlimited funds i would make inspirational videos and movies so that is something that i still hope to someday do anyway long story short um a few days ago the one of the uh administrators in my synagogue came up to me and he said, you know, I was talking to a few people about putting together a uh, a song for Purim. There's something, another tradition, Purim tradition called a Grahman. A Grahman is like a rhyming uh, parody song that again uh, is inspirational and also funny, making fun of different people in the community so um and and also bringing out different points so um he said i asked a few people if they would do uh, a grahman to make a, a rhyming musical performance this forum uh, for the synagogue we usually do it every year and every you know this one guy asked said that you would be perfect for it now who's this guy i have never spoken to him in my life i don't know him at all maybe he knew that i was a writer he might have seen some of my stuff online. I have no clue. But at the end of the day, they asked about six people and everyone turned them down. And then they asked me and I thought, you know, that's funny because I used to do this when I, you know, 15 years ago, I used to make these Purim spiels every year and I haven't done it in 15 years and I totally forgot about it. So, uh, you know what? I felt I don't really have much time. It's a very busy time of year for us, but, you know, I feel guilty not doing it and I feel like I could do a good job. So I put together this rhyming song and today at uh, at the end of shabbos uh, the whole community gathered in the synagogue and i stood up on uh, uh on a chair and with uh with my funny uh vest and i wore a hasidic uh fur hat and and i sang this song the community and it was uh, for me it was incredibly uh, fulfilling and inspirational people were laughing it was very very creative and fun so i just want to share that story with you and, and i want to I want to tie it to, into uh, an, an idea I was thinking about over Shabbos that has to do with this week's Torah portion and Purim. As we know, if you've listened to any of my podcasts recently, in Purim, God does not appear once in the entire Purim story, the entire Megillah. It's uh, it's the hidden hand of God, the, the 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 missing presence of God in our life, which we can choose to see or we can choose to ignore. And uh, the word Megillah's Esther, which is the scroll of Esther, literally means in Hebrew, 
The word Esther is related to the word for hidden. And the word Megillah, which is a scroll, is related to the word in Hebrew, directly related to the word in Hebrew, Megaleh, which means to reveal. So the book of Esther is about revealing the hidden, revealing the hiddenness, the hidden purpose that's uh, that's hidden in our life. And in this week's Torah portion, there's no mention of, of Moses. Moshe does not appear once in this week's Torah portion, which is unusual for the entire Torah. He appears in every Torah portion from his birth until the end of the Torah, except for this one. And some explain that it's because in next week's Torah portion, Moshe, God is very upset at the Jewish people for worshiping the golden calf. And he says, I'm going to destroy the Jewish people and make a, a greater nation from your children, Moshe. And Moses says, no, I would rather be written out of your book than, than that you destroy the Jewish people. And I want to share with you that I believe that that is the sign of a true leader. A true leader doesn't care about themselves. It's not about them. It's not about their, their glory. It's not about their recognition or publicity or fame. It's about their giving of themselves to another, to their community or to their cause. And that is really um, what we have to be focusing in on our life. It's not about uh, that the, the highest level, according to Judaism, is about learning to be a giver learning to put others before yourself. And I think that in our life, we always have the opportunity to look at our surroundings and think about what's in it for me or think about how can I be there for others? How can I take this opportunity to be great? There's a there's a line in the Megillah, which I just heard this idea from one of my mentors, Rabbi David Aaron, in Israel, and he's, that Esther is very concerned about going to confront the king and asking him to save the Jewish people, because if she approaches the king without an invitation, she could be liable for death. And Mordecai says, you have to go do this. And she says, if I go, I could be killed. And Mordecai says, you don't have to do this. If you don't go and speak to the king, we'll be saved. Salvation will come some other way, but you will lose your opportunity to make a difference in history. Now, it seems like a strange response. He could have said to her, you're going to, uh, you know, you're, you, how could you not do this? He could have laid some guilt on her. How could you not help us? You're in the king's palace. You're the only one that can speak to the king for, on our behalf. And it made her feel a little guilty. But instead he says, if you don't do it, someone else will do it. It'll happen another way. We'll be saved a different way. And uh, Rabbi Aaron points out an amazing idea. He says that in life, God, the point of Purim, we drink on Purim, so we don't know the difference between blessed is Haman and cursed is Mordechai. And in fact, those two phrases, blessed is blessed is Mordechai and cursed is Haman. Sorry, I'm uh, still a little tipsy, I guess. Blessed is Mordechai and cursed is Haman. Actually, both of those phrases have the same numerical value in Hebrew, which means they're both connected. What's the connection between like Mordechai, who's a great, great leader and, and saint, and Haman, who's like the Hitler of his time? How could they, they be the same numerical value, which means they're, they're connected? And why in Purim do we drink till we don't know the difference between them? It's literally saying between not knowing the difference between good and bad. And the answer is that on Purim, we realize that even the worst people in history are playing a part in a master plan. That Haman, Haman as horrible as, as he was, good came out of, of what he attempted to do. Because in the end, the, this amazing miraculous salvation came about, not miraculous, natural salvation came about, but which brought about the, the greatest revelation of God that's hidden in the world. So it turns out that the worst 
people and the best people are both just revealing God's plan because history is really his story, right? It's all about that we are here in this world to play a part and we have a choice. What part do we want to play? The destination is going to be the same. We don't have a choice in shaping history. We have a choice in our part that we will play in history, in his story. It's really like the actors in a spiel, in a play, right? We just have an opportunity to choose which part we want to play, but we're not writing the script. And that's an amazing idea because what it means essentially is that in every opportunity in life, we can choose to be part of the goodness that will be revealed or the negative, which eventually is all going to bring about good. But we have a choice of if we want to play that, the good part or the bad part. And it's it's really about becoming invisible, just like Moshe, who disappears, who removes himself from this week's Torah portion. The more invisible, the more translucent we can be, the more God's light shines forth through us. We all have unique talents that we have to learn how to use, like we were talking about, like my writing and my speaking. We have to learn how to utilize our unique talents, but ultimately creativity doesn't come from us. It comes from above. And anyone who's ever been part of a uh, some sort of creative act, whether com- composing music or doing some sort of art or some sort of beautiful act of giving to another person, shares the same experience of, of the feeling that it had nothing to do with me. And I've done a number of different things, including these plays that I wrote or articles that I've written or art pieces that I've done where I felt completely like I was being played. I was an instrument in, in the greater hands of a divine presence who was literally flowing through me. And I think that that is the, the highest level is when you, you literally remove yourself, remove your ego. doesn't mean getting rid of your talents. It means letting your talents be utilized and channeled for a higher purpose. And that's ultimately our job in this world. Humility. Moses is called the most humble man. The Torah says Moses, which Moses wrote, Moshe wrote, and Moshe was the humblest person on the face of the earth. Now, that does not sound so humble to write that yourself. The answer is that true humility is not denigrating yourself. It's recognizing that your gifts, are that your talents are gifts from, from Hashem, from God. And, and that is essentially what Moshe is saying. Humility, the definition of humility. Moshe was the most clear, clean person. He was able to just channel divine will through him without coloring it through his ego. Most of us see the world through our ego. We see ourselves as the center of the universe. Our job is to remove the ego, not to nullify our personality, our talents, but to channel them and utilize them for God's will, to always ask ourselves, what does God want from me at this moment? That is our job in this world. And I'll, I'll conclude with an amazing, a few amazing quotes that, uh, from Viktor Frankl, uh, who I quote quite, quite often, the father of logotherapy, Holocaust survivor, and uh, psychologist, psychiatrist. And he talks a lot about finding meaning and purpose. But uh, listen to this quote. Some, some people have pointed out one of the greatest rabbis of the past generation, Rev. Dessler, of Eliyahu Dessler, points out that America is built on rights. We have a bill of rights. We have the right to liberty. We have the right to bear arms. We have the right to free speech. The Torah is the exact opposite. The Torah doesn't mention our rights. 
doesn't mention our right to property, doesn't mention our right to freedom or personal possession or to bear arms or speech. On the contrary, the Torah is a book that only mentions our responsibilities, our obligations. A society based on rights is a society that's all about me. What am I going to get from this world? A society that's founded around responsibilities is what can I do for you? Now, the fact that I have a responsibility to protect your right to bear your property means you have a right to property. It's just that the focus is the opposite. It's on what I have to do to not steal from you. Not that you don't, you deserve to not be stolen from. You understand? That's a completely different shift, a completely different focus. So says, says Viktor Frankl that the Statue of Liberty in the East Coast should be supplemented by a Statue of Responsibility on the West Coast. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Life is about learning to be responsible. How can I make a difference in someone else's life? How can I eliminate my own selfish desires and my own ego and become a clear vessel to shine divinity into this world, to pick up other people, to share spirituality with others? That's ultimately our goal. So uh, that's that's the message I wanted to share with you. And uh, I think that's uh, that's a lesson that we can all take to heart of learning to be more translucent, learning to ask ourselves, how can I make God's will my will? How can I today make bring a little more divinity, a little more spirituality, a little more, little more goodness and giving, caring and loving into this world? And it doesn't always take the form of loving, by the way. Sometimes... God's will is that I should be strong and have boundaries. So at the end of the day, it's just at every moment of our lives, ask yourself, what is being asked of us? What is the universe? What does God want from me right now? And how can I utilize my talents, my passion to serve his ultimate picture instead of my own needs and my own desires? Thank you for listening, and I uh, hope you uh, tune in again. It's all available on my podcast, The Gavriel Horan Show. And uh, I have a few other ideas I want to share with you related to uh, this week's Torah portion and uh, Purim and finding work-life pa- balance. Hopefully, I'll be posting a few more uh, installations in the next few days. Have a wonderful night and a wonderful week. Wishing you all a Shavuot Tov and a Freilichin Shushan Purim, a happy Shushan Purim, which is the uh, the day that Jerusalem is cel- celebrating Purim. Take care, all.